of heights to the depths of the Notice in verse 5 in our text this morning, it says, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, they said, as they brought this woman. But what do you say? Little did they know that a greater than Moses was standing before them. Little did they know the Logos, the Word who became flesh, Almighty God had come and He was standing in their midst and they did not know it. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. They set a trap for Jesus. If Jesus said, let her go, then he would seem to break the law of Moses. If he said, execute her for the crime of adultery, then Jesus would seem harsh and perhaps cruel. Also, he would break Roman law because the Romans had taken the right of official execution for religious offenses away from the Jews. Jesus was neither intimidated nor threatened by their questions to him. Our Jesus is full of grace and mercy, as we will see when we go on in chapter 8. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. And it's as bad in the church as it is outside the church. So when is the church going to step up and say, Lord, if I call you my Lord and Savior, why are you not my Lord? I want to call you my Savior, but I don't want you to be Lord of my life. Listen, if he's not Lord of your life, you're not going to have a lot of assurance that he's your Savior either. He may be. That's for him and you to know. But are you living in adultery this morning? Are you living and sleeping with someone that is not your spouse? You shall not commit adultery. And pornography, and this is an uncomfortable thing, I know everyone in the room is squirming, especially the men. Pornography is adultery. It is fornication. How does your wife feel, men? When you look at those things, if she finds out, what does that make her feel like? It makes her feel like she's not good enough. You've betrayed her, you've betrayed God, and yes, in your heart you know what's wrong. Yes, and there are, just like a drug, pornography is like a drug, because when you take a drug, there's endorphins in your brain that go off, and it creates this buzz, this excitement, and yes, pornography is the same thing. Like video games, Those endorphins are going off. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to continue in it, knowing that God is not pleased with it? Or are you going to turn from it, guys? Don't even look at it anymore. Make today the last day. For those of you who are online, this is going to go out over the radio too. So whoever's listening to this, put it away forever. 
Don't ever go back there again. Why would you do that? I know why you would do that, because I'm a man. But listen, love Christ more than any of that. And fight the good fight. You must fight. Don't just roll over and let the enemy have his way with you, because that's what happens to most men. The men just give up. They say, well, uh, God made me feel this way. Yes, he gave you those urges and those things that drive, because that's how we propagate the world. Isn't that what he gave to Adam and Eve? He gave them. He gave them a commandment. He put that in us. But it has to be done lawfully and within the bonds of marriage between a husband, a male, and a female, a wife. Amen? That's what God says. If you have a problem with that, take it up with him. But you're going to lose. He makes the rules. He knows what's good for you. And aren't you glad for that? He knows what's good for you. He loves you. He knows what's best for you. And that means everything, every decision in your life, it's because he loves you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be fruitful, right? In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, Jesus, speaking of adultery in the heart, being, uh, not only being wrong, but also adultery in the flesh, notice what Jesus said. Most people think, well, if I didn't commit adultery like this woman did, then I'm good. Well, you've got a problem. He says, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said those of old, you, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Yes. It's that severe. I mean, God doesn't literally mean for you to pluck out your eye, but it ought to be that serious to us. It ought to be that grave to us. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whosoever divorces his wife for any reason except for sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Those are some hard words, and yet our culture is filled with these kinds of things. Now, if you're, under the, if you're a Christian this morning, and you've given your heart to Christ, and you've confessed these things, they're no longer on your account. But walk in that purity, walk in that truth of God's word from now going forward, and you have every reason to rejoice then. He will cast your sin as far as behind him, as far as the east is from the west. He'll forgive you, but you have to take the initiative. Amen? Solomon in Proverbs 6, he says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them about your neck. When you go, it shall lead you, and when you sleep, it shall keep you. Speaking of wisdom, of course. And when you awake, it shall talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. And reproves of instructions are the way of life. To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. 
Lust not after her beauty in your heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. And how often has that happened in our culture today? Men of, you know, heads of, of companies and corporations, men's of church, men of churches, pastors of churches falling into adultery. These kind of things just ought not to be. And it's a serious thing. And there's much in the word of God telling us and warning us against those things. Notice what Solomon said to his son in verse 27 of this Proverbs 6. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes be not burned? A rhetorical question. The obvious is yes. You take fire into your bosom, you're going to get burned. Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goes in to his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his soul when he's hungry. But if a man, but if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. But it goes on and says, but those who commit adultery with a woman lacks understanding that he does, that he that does it destroys his own soul. Does that sound like a good warning? It is. Guys, we need to be very careful. Ladies, you know, it used to be that pornography was a thing only men did, but now women are doing it too. And the generation of young girls coming up, it, it's, it's the, the scales are almost balanced of, the, of those who are watching it. And that spirit, that's adultery as well. The pornography, the lasciviousness, it's it pervaded our culture. It's in all of our, every magazine on the front covers of magazines. It's in all the filthy music that Spotify and Apple put out. It's in the movies. You know, they always show everybody when everything is going well and they're having an affair and everything is good and it sounds really great. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but then the bill comes due. They don't show you on television. They don't tell you in the music that that is what happens. They only talk about the part that everybody likes to talk about, but there's a price to be paid for that sin. Are you willing to pay that price? Without Christ, you will pay the price. It's a very serious thing. In Leviticus chapter 20, back in the Old Testament, the Lord speaks to the children of Israel not only of physical adultery, but spiritual adultery as well. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel, who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. And the people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech. He's speaking of spiritual adultery. Going to a false god, the children of Israel were judged for their spiritual adultery. And their physical adultery. God allowed them to be taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And even the Judah and Jerusalem taken into captivity by the Babylonians. Those things happened because they did not heed God's word. Instead, they continued in their sin. But then it goes down in Leviticus 20 verse 10. It says, the man who commits adultery with another man's wife. He who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife. The adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Imagine if that was still the case today, how many people there'd be on the earth? Probably none. It'd be a desert. 
but thank God for his grace. And we see that in the life of this woman as she is brought. Jesus wasn't just this fierce, angry God who just wanted to come and just lay down the law and just have people put to death. He was a merciful and gracious God. Notice in verse 5 in our text this morning, it says, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, they said, as they brought this woman. But what do you say? Little did they know that a greater than Moses was standing before them. Little did they know the Logos, the word who became flesh, Almighty God had come and he was standing in their midst and they did not know it. In this very chapter at the end, which we will get to next week, Jesus said unto them, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham was several hundred years earlier, several hundred, even a couple thousand. He was before Christ, and yet Jesus said, before he was, I am. When he says, I am, he was ascribing deity to himself. You can look at Exodus chapter 3, we've looked at this. Even in Matthew chapter 12, as Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, speaking of the judgment to come, he said, a greater than Jonah is here. Yes, a greater than Jonah the prophet was standing in the midst of them, Jesus Christ. And notice verse 6, this they said, they said, what do you say? Moses said that we ought to murder or stone a woman or who is caught in adultery. But what do you say? And this they said, notice, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. And it makes you wonder if they weren't, if they weren't trying to trick Jesus, would they have caught and stoned this woman, violating the Roman authorities? The Jews, remember, for a long time were able to execute capital punishment, but the Jews at this time, that authority had been taken away from them. They had no right to do that any longer. It was only the Romans who could issue the decision for capital punishment. You remember when Jesus, when they, brought the, when they came before Pilate? They wanted Pilate to put him to death because they didn't have the authority. They had to go to Pontius Pilate, the Roman figurehead, to ask him to put Jesus to death for blasphemy, which wasn't true at all because he was who he says he was. He was the Messiah. He is the Messiah. But if Jesus said yes, but what do you say? Should she be punished? Should she be killed for her sin? If Jesus would have said yes to having her stoned, he would have been breaking the law concerning the Romans thus putting him at odds with Caesar and Rome. If he didn't sentence her to death, then he would be breaking the law of Moses, because Moses said that a person who was caught in adultery should be put to death. They thought that they had Jesus cornered, didn't they? Little did they realize that he had them cornered. And I love this about the Lord. Again, how can you go up against Almighty God? How can you do it? He had them. They didn't have him. And is it good to test the Lord? In Isaiah chapter 7, remember Ahaz, the Judah, the king of Judah, the Lord spoke to King Ahaz and says, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. And you remember, it's in that same chapter that God gave him the sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. 
God with us, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, as it would say later on in Isaiah. But even an ungodly king like Ahaz knew not to test the Lord. This word test means to prove or to tempt, to try or to prove. You remember the devil did the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. What does it say? The devil took Jesus up into the holy city. This is after his baptism. The devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle and said, If you are, or since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give us our angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And notice what Jesus said to the devil. It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You shall not test him. You shall not try to prove him. See, God proves us, not the other way around. And yet there are men and women in universities and seminaries all over this country, all over this world, that have put God on trial. But God has us on trial. We have no right to put God on trial. His word is absolute. Do you believe that? He's to prove us. He's to test us. James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing, the proving of your faith, what does it do? It produces patience. These men were on very shaky ground testing the Lord. Who are they and who are we to say to the Lord, What are you doing? What are you doing? In Isaiah 45, it says, Woe to him who strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making or what are you doing? No, we don't. And that's who we are. We are like clay pots that God has formed. And he loves you. He loves you. Notice at the second part of verse 6, but Jesus, notice, stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And this verse has been one of these verses that have stumped many people for a long time. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 3, it says, O Lord, O Jehovah, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. And those who depart from me, God says, shall be written in the earth. Because they have forsaken the Lord. Notice the fountain of living waters. I find this interesting because they had just been celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, right? Celebrating God's favor for providing food and shelter. And you remember that one of the rituals that they would do during the Feast of Tabernacles is the priest would take a golden pitcher and he would travel from the Temple Mount down to the Gahon Spring grab a pitcher of water and bring it back up to the temple mount, pouring it on the temple mount in memorial for what God, how God had provided water for them in the desert for those 40 years. And I love what it says, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Could it be that Jesus was writing their names in the earth because they had forsaken him? The fountain of living waters, as he stooped down, as they were questioning him, testing him. Could he have been writing their names on the ground? What was he writing? Was he writing the the commandments? Was he writing their name and then maybe also showing and writing the sins that they were committing? And yet here they were in their religious zeal, thinking that they could somehow force Jesus and catch him 
so that they would have something to accuse him of. Perhaps nobody knows what he wrote on the ground. It doesn't really matter, honestly. Don't even know if they saw what he was writing on the ground. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up, verse 7, and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. What an interesting thing to say. That's wisdom. He didn't respond to their question, but rather questioned them. He provoked them as they were trying to trap him. He turns a table around. I love that about Jesus. The wisdom of Solomon did the same thing. Remember the two women with the child? One of them killed the other one, and they came to Solomon. That's my son. No, that's my son. And he says, well, well, just bring me a sword. We'll just cut the child in half, and we'll give it. And the real mother made sure that she says, I couldn't stand that. I'd rather give my child away to this other woman than to have my child sacrificed. Same kind of wisdom. You know, sometimes... The world presents you door A and door B, but think that there might be a door C. We tend to think and allow the world to manipulate us, allow even family and friends to manipulate us. There's usually another way, and oh, they'll hate you when you bring it up too. (laughs) Right? They'll say, you either got to do this or do this. Well, have you thought about this? Mm. No, I didn't think of that. But notice, Jesus didn't deny that she was caught in the act. He didn't deny it. It was true. He didn't deny that the sin was punishable by death because he knew that it was. But Jesus, in his mercy, he pardoned her. Notice the oldest, the men who had been around the longest, who had sinned enough in their life to know, you know what, there's no way I can stand here with this rock when I know in my heart. And he waited for them. And people are watching. Remember, there are... A couple thousand people around Jesus and everything is quiet. And these legalists bring this woman to him and everyone is going, what is he going to do? Everybody's captivated. Think of the picture. Picture it in your head. And the oldest of those religious leaders decide to drop the stone because they realize, you know what? There are people in this crowd that I knew that I've sinned against. There are things that I've done in private that I have done that nobody knows but God, and the conviction that came over them was tremendous. Believe me, when the word of God comes to your heart, it will bring conviction. It will bring great conviction, and I praise God for that. We need that. That's why it's important, you know, Proverbs tells us to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it come forth the issues of life, and it's so true, isn't it? We need to keep our heart. Are you keeping your heart or are you giving it away? Are you giving it away or are you keeping it? Keep your heart with all diligence. There are so many things vying for your attention, your affection, your devotion. Whatever that thing is, you'd better be really careful. Be careful, brothers and sisters. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion going throughout the earth, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to take you out. He can't take your salvation away from you, but boy, he can still tempt you. And God will allow it at times. But what do you do when you have the temptation? Do you fall to your knees and beg God for help? That's what I do. 
I would encourage you to do the same, but don't give in. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.